Well, good morning. We've been um, starting kind of a new series, Life with a Purpose. And as I've been studying it this week and thinking about it, you know, it's been quite revealing personally as, as I've looked at it because there's an awful lot about us. And I couldn't find a lot about <clears throat> my personal purpose uh, in the Bible. What I mean by that is I know I'm created by God and for God and God has a purpose for my life. But I want to talk about the God purpose life. His purpose moving through your life as you finding your purpose. Because there's a lot out there, purpose driven, always driven, somebody's driven me. <clears throat> and it's all good. It's good stuff. It's inspiring. It's quickening. It's excellent. But the more I started studying it, I think, I don't want to think about my purpose. I want to think about your purpose for my life. I want to think about what you would like me to do. I actually don't care about my life. I want to lose my life in your purpose for my life. Does that make sense? Because I'm not saying that again. <laughs> so, I, so, you know, life with a purpose. You, you find your purpose really out of serving God. You know, you don't, you don't quite know what it is it to begin with when you first get saved. But, you know, as you get older and you move on with God, you get this sense of purpose. And, um, you know, sometimes it can be a bit cloudy and then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you get a new pair of glasses and you think, wow, <laughs> couldn't see like that before. You see things differently. So I want, to, I want you to turn in the Bible to First um, Samuel chapter 17. I want to talk to you about David and Goliath. <clears throat> I want to talk about life with a purpose. Um, and I want to take it from the story of David and Goliath. And suppose when we first read it, it's quite a long reading, but I think it's worth reading. Starting from verse, verse seven, uh, sorry, chapter 17 and verse 4, and we're going to read um, the whole story. A champion named Goliath was from Gath, came out from the Philistines' camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet and, and the head <clears throat> and wore a coat of scaled armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and bronze javelin was slung over his back. His spear and shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron pointed weighed 600 shekels. His shield, uh, his shield bearer went ahead of him. <coughs> Excuse me. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, we will become your subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and they were terrified. Now remember that. They were dismayed and terrified. This is God's army. This is King Saul. They, they were terrified, dismayed and terrified. It should never have been with the promises and the power and the miracles that they have seen. You know, the devil goes about like a roaring lion. I don't know if you know about lions, but when lions are going to kill something, they don't roar. They're quiet. 
Because it means you know that they're coming. And the devil can't touch you and the devil can't kill you and the devil can't destroy you. So he intimidates you with fear and anxieties and the cares of this world. He roars like a lion because he knows he can't bite. He knows he can't touch a true child of God who's born again, living in obedience and the will of God. He can't get near you, but he does intimidate. And here is a whole nation and a king who should have known better, terrified and paralyzed by one man. Now granted, he's nine feet. (laughs) But it's still one man. Now David was the son of Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jess had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in years. Jess' three oldest sons had followed Saul to war, the firstborn Eladad, and the second Abadinad, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest, the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep in Bethlehem. I know it's a long reading, but It's nice to read God's word in church and go through the whole story rather than get right to the point. No, listen to the whole story. For 40 days, the Philistines came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. 40 days. Now Jesse said to his sons, David, take of roast corn and these 10 loaves of bread to your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commanders of their unit. See how your brothers are. Bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all his men of Israel in the valley, fighting against the Philistines. (laughs) Uh, They weren't fighting, by the way. Nobody was fighting. That was the problem. There's an awful lot of talk about it. They had all the armor. They looked apart. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out. As Jesse had directed, he reached the camp. The army was going out to battle <laughs> and position, shouting, shouting uh, the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing, drawing up their lines, facing each other. I mean, for 40 days, I mean, that would annoy the life out of me. I mean, I think if you're going to fight, fight. Does anybody know what I mean? You know, you ever been in a schoolyard and somebody's pushing you? I push you, you push me. I think, oh, forget it. <laughs> oh, that pushing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, eventually you get fed up. You went, somebody hit, so let's get it on done with. Th- throw the gomlet down. Let's have a duel. Do something. I push you, you push me. He said that, you done that. Grow up, get a life. That's children play. No, eventually somebody needs to fight. I better get through this or I won't preach my sermon. I'm just coming against interesting parts as I'm reading it to you. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up the line. David left his things with the keeper and supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, the champion of Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. Brilliant. This is where it gets Brilliant. I'm a spirit-filled man who cares about God's honor. Hallelujah. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran in fear of him. 
This is God's army, God's church. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He keeps coming out and defying us. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from tax in the land. I mean, being Scottish and a Glaswegian, I mean, that'll get me fighting right away. <laughs> David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? They repeated to him what they had been told. This is what will be done for the man who kills him. When David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked him, Why have you come down here? And whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceit you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. What like yous? Isn't that amazing? What like you? This young man is actually asking the question. He's raging over it. Now, what have I done? David said, and this is about, is there not a cause? That's what I'm going to preach on. Is there not a cause? Now, what have I done? David said, can't I even speak? He then turned around to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered, the same matter. Verse 31, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul. Saul sent to him, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Is anybody else enjoying this story? I, I, I forget where I am. I think, I think I'm in my lounge just reading this story, getting carried away. What a story. Listen to it. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy and he has been fighting. You see, if you're going to have a life with a purpose, you're going to need to get by some voices that said that you are not able. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep, I ran after it and struck it down and rescued the sheep from his mouth. Did you hear that? A lion and a bear. I mean, friends, who is this boy? I, I, I honestly, I'd be like, take the sheep. We'll get another one next year. It's going to be lambing season. You keep it. A lion. We just threw that and he killed a lion and a bear. You know, you're fighting a lion. Do you know what it's like to fight a lion? And then, you know, maybe he went into the woods. Maybe there's a rumor in the woods and the bear went, we can't have this. I need to go and have a look. And then the bear comes and he battles the bear. And he's talking to Saul. I've had private battles. I've fought stuff. I've done stuff. God has been preparing me for my life's purpose. I had a hidden life before there was a public one. You don't know my battle scars and what I've done. I never just came on the scene. I've had a secret, holy, dedicated, committed, obedient, faithful life to God where nobody was looking. I'm well able to take him on. Hallelujah. I went after and struck it. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and the uncircumcised Philistine will just be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear will deliver me from him. So Saul said to David, go, 
the Lord be with you. Saul dressed David in his tunic. He put his coat of armor on him and his bronze helmet. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot use this, he said, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took the staff in his hand, chose five stones from the stream, put them in the, the, the pouch of his shepherd's bag and the sibling in his hand and approached the Philistines. Meanwhile, the Philistines held his shield, held his shield, uh, and the armor bearer front of him kept coming to David. He looked at David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. Said to David, "Am, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks?" And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air. Uh, verse forty-five. David said to the Philistines, you came against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty and the armies of Israel whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will straight you down and I will cut your head. Today I will give your carcass, the Philistine army, to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. My goodness me, who wants him on your side? All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword and it's not by spear. It's the Lord that saves, for the battle belongs to the Lord, and he will give you into my hands this day. And the Philistine moved closer to attack him. David ran quickly towards him. I love that bit, ran. Yeah, brilliant. He ran towards him. The battle line, he met him, reaching into his bag, taking out a stone. He, sl- he, sh- he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his head, and he fell down face to the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine. David ran and stood over. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from, from, from him. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw their hero was dead, they ran. Then the men of Israel and everybody else um, shouted and pursued the Philistines. Let's just leave it there. Thank you for being patient in that long reading. But it's such an amazing story. Uh, is there not a cause? David's cause, you know, David's purpose started off amazingly. David was going to be anointed king. God told him, you are going to be king. And you think, how is God going to get a shepherd boy into a palace and be a king? How is God going to get him there? And you know, it's amazing where God can get you. You see, when others saw a shepherd boy, God saw a king. What God sees in you, when, when Gideon was under threshing floor, he said, you know, God said, I'm going to use you. And this is what God said to him, almighty man of valor. You see, God doesn't see you who you are. He, he sees you, what he's going to make you. And he said, David, you're going to be a king one day. And he was training him in private. It's a secret place. It's the place where nobody sees you being obedient. It's your character being formed. You're being tested. You're, you see, you don't even put a car on the road unless it's been tested. You see, now we just think, well, everybody's called. Everybody just do anything. No, there is a testing and a private life. Because when God's going to put a champion on, he wants to know that this champion is going to stand his ground. That he's going to be able to fight and, and do the purpose that God's called him to. And no, it's amazing how David got into this opportunity, this purpose. His father, Jesse, asked him to take down sandwiches. And amazing. Everybody wants to fight Goliath, but nobody wants to carry sandwiches. 
Nobody wants to serve at that level first. Everybody wants to be up there. But your purpose doesn't start up there. He obeyed the Father in taking sandwiches down. Who would have thought that evening that David would have got Saul's daughter being in the king's palace? I mean, I can imagine David that night sitting in the palace, sitting there, eating a big leg of lamb and just thinking, my goodness, or whatever he was eating. He goes up to the balcony that night with his new wife and his new bride. He's got the daughter, he's got the money, he's got no tax, and he's standing on the balcony saying, God, I never thought I'd say this. Thank you for Goliath. Only came to drink sandwiches. And that's where you start. Did Jesus not say, I'm a servant. He who wants to be great must be the least among you. He just took down sandwiches. And he went. And there's an army there of God. And I want to ask the church today. I want to challenge us. And our nation. Is there not giants paralyzing, manipulating political correctness, shutting the mouth of the church and causing fear where you can't say anything about anything. But let me tell you, I'm a preacher. I'm not politically correct. I'm not being moved by this world system. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost and I'm going to take a stand because there is a cause in our schools, in our colleges and in our land to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's only one name where men may be saved. There is no other God, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Hallelujah. Is there not a cause? Preachers' mouths have been closed because of the fear of men and political correctness and the laws of this land. And you, you want to appallate and please people, but if you're going to follow God, you're going to have a life of trouble and persecution. And by the way, it's only going to get worse. I'm not going to tell you it's getting better. I'm going to be a preacher that tells you it's going to get worse. But as it gets darker, we're going to get stronger. We're going to get brighter. And David goes down. And this is the state. Sometimes the church can get into it. It gets paralyzed. And then it comes down to your individual life. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? I mean, I looked in Facebook, there's 52 different genders. 52 different genders. Friends, there's two. Is there not a cause to stand and fight? Listen, we need to stand and fight now because your kids and grandkids are going to grow up in this if we don't get our voice back. We don't stand and fight. We don't stand and say, no, that's not acceptable. Yes, you're going to be persecuted. But if you want to find a purpose for your life, I believe it's getting involved in God's purpose. I believe it's in a life of obedience. Now stay with me. Don't worry, we'll get out of here on time. Hold on a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> David was going to go into God's purpose, but there was obstacles to come over. Oh, Sorry. My watch has a thin on it, so it, it thought I was asking a question. <laughs> Fighting God's cause. David was just gone down with sandwiches. Now, please stay with me. This is really important for your life and my life. David had a cause to fight for. And in our nation, I could write out a list of causes that we could fight for. But that's not my point this morning. My point is finding Jesus' purpose for 
our, our life individually and as a collectively as a church is there not a cause? I guarantee you every man and woman here, especially us in ministry, never thought we'd be here and certainly never started here. You started off serving God somewhere small in this life. But as you go into the purposes of God and the call of God, there's, there's going to be things that come against you. I mean, even David's own family and his own brothers tried to close him down. Voices that get into your spirit, that bring discouragement, they take the fight out of you and they dispirit you. And then, and then sometimes those in authority, Saul, the king, said, you're not able. Tell me this, friends, has God ever picked anybody who's able to do what God's asked them to do? I mean, God always starts with the impossible. That's what I love about God. I mean, if you're going to start a nation, would you get a 90-year-old woman, a 90-year-old man, and she's totally barren, and you think that's a great way to start a nation? <laughs> he won't do the way we are. And they, they laughed at them. They think, Abraham, the father of nations, are you having a laugh? How arrogant are you? Your wife is barren and you're 90. The two years are past that. Get a life. But God comes out of the box. And he said, I take the nobodies and the small people and those who, who are not able. I'm going to tell you right now, young people, old people, middle-aged people, whoever you are sitting here, if God's got a purpose in your heart, if God's called you to do something, let me tell you, it will probably never be the right time you'll probably never have enough money and you'll not have the equipment to do what he's asked you to do. But if you are obedient and take the first step, the waters do open, the doors do open, and the provision will come because the first thing you need to fulfill the purpose of God in your life is faith. Faith is trusting God. It's not going for an interview to go to Africa and say, what's the postcode? Where will my school be? How much will I get? Will I get a pension? Will there be security? God said, if you follow me, it's an invitation to come and die. It's an invitation that I can't promise you you won't feel pain. can't promise you that you're going to be Okay. Paul the Apostle said, I only know in Acts, I only know that the Holy Ghost tells me that everywhere I go, I'm going to get beaten up and put in prison. You don't see that on many fridge magnets, do you? <laughs> I'll just write that prophecy down, that's fantastic. In fact, friends, listen, so many times we are addicted to getting a word and getting a word. You better hope you don't get too many words because you've only got one life to fulfill them. There's enough in the Bible to get on with. I don't need to pray. God, do you want me to feed the poor? He told me to feed the poor. I don't need to say, do you want me to go and visit the widow? He told me to go and get the widow. There's a whole lot of churches and people packed up waiting and saying, God, what do you want us to do? And God said, well, if you start with what you know, maybe I'll tell you something else. Can you say amen? What's your word, Lord? Well, you know, feed the poor. Yeah, I know, yeah, I know, but what's your word? The word, the big word. Lord, do you want me to love my neighbor? Right, well, yeah. I'll pray about that. No, do you want me to visit people in prison? I'll, let me pray about it. 
Hey, don't ever come and ask me, will you pray that I should visit somebody in prison, pray the poor, look at the widow, care of the orphan. I won't pray about it. Just go and do it. That's, that's a good cause. That's the purpose for your life. If there's no other purpose that you can find, or some prophet comes and visits us to tell us, there's enough there to go on with until they do come. And if we just done that, you see, there's a permissive will of God, which is for all of us, and then there's a pacific where God might speak to you. But sometimes we're, we're so busy looking for the pacific word to give us that purpose that we miss carrying the sandwiches until something comes. His brothers bring discouragement. Then Saul says, you're not able. Friends, I was on drugs for 10 years, lying in a mattress. I wasn't able for something. Look, but God took my life and picked me up. I know I done was kept saying, yes, Lord. I wasn't educated enough, wasn't elegant enough, wasn't anything enough, but I just kept saying yes. And by the way, I never just came on the scene. For 10 years, I was serving in Teen Challenge. For five of that, I lived in a rehab with people chat my door at two in the morning for 20 pound a week. I'm not, I'm not wanting a clap or well done. I can't tell you about the great things I've done, but I can tell you about the great things he's done. I can tell you about the purpose he's done through my life if you keep saying yes to him. You know, your call difference. As you get older, you, you can't do the same as you used to do, but it'll give you a different call. It'll give you a different purpose. It'll give you a different thing. I really struggled with preaching about my purpose. I... I, I I want his purpose, I want his heart. What, what do you need if you're going to fulfill God's purpose, which really means finding our purpose is following his purpose. <clears throat> First of all, let me say this. You're, you're going to need intimacy. You're going to be connected to God. You need intimacy with God so you can hear him. You see, all power comes out of being with him. You see, when they were down here, you see, they were Goliath conscious. And David came down and said, I've, I've been with him. I'm God conscious. I'm conscious of the greatness of my God. And when you're walking with God, there's a prophetic voice that comes out of your mouth. You say, you start speaking prophetically. I'm, go I'm, I'm going to do you in. I'm putting a stone through your head. I'm taking your head off. You're toast. And he's holding up a giant's head like that, a shepherd boy. And then, do you know what? See, once you find your purpose in your cause and you get a victory, all of a sudden, everybody comes out the trenches and want to join you. Jackie Pullinger, I read about her yesterday for this sermon. Young girl, 25, one-way ticket. And know what our, know what our minister told her, told her? Imagine somebody telling you this today. Jackie, get on a boat with your one-way ticket and then God will tell you where to get off. You know how much she had in her pocket? 10 pounds. And she stopped at every port and said, no, not this one, not this one. And eventually it stopped at Hong Kong. And God said, this one. And she got off. And the, the, she went to immigration and said, where, you, where are you working? She went, I don't have a job. Who are you visiting? I don't know anybody. And they questioned her and questioned her. And they said, well, how much have you got? And she says, 10 pounds. And they said, that won't last that three days here. And she said, it lasted me three months. And she's been there for over 40 years. And she went, I didn't know that churches supported you. I didn't know where to go to missionaries. Nobody told me. I just done what God asked me to do. He asked me to go and love them. So I went and loved them. 
25 she was, single girl, one way. David Wilkinson, young man, 25, Philadelphia, country preacher. God said, go to New York. He read a magazine. He said, my heart got burdened. I went to New York. He said, I'd never been to New York. I didn't went about gangs, drink or drugs. He went there. And um, that was over, over 50 years ago. He didn't know he was going to start Teen Challenge. He didn't know. Teen Challenge is in 135 different countries today because one man went to New York. I thank God he did because I went through one of David Wilkinson's programs. William Booth was in the Methodist church. He took all the drunks in and all the poor and the minister came up to him and said, the next time you bring those people in, can you come in the back door? They threw him at the church, but they threw him into the purpose of God. Look what William Booth did. Look what Catherine Booth did. You see, they weren't saying, what's my purpose? They were saying, God, what's your heart? And when I find your heart, I find my purpose. When I find your heart. You're going to need courage if you're going to fulfill God's purpose. If you're going to be a man pleaser, forget it. You're going to have a painful life. Eventually, you're going to need to stand up and fight for a cause. You're going to need to let your voice be heard. You're going to need courage. Did God told Joshua, be strong and courageous for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever he sends you, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's going to be with you. If he's told you to go to the streets of Derby, go to the streets of Derby with his authority and with all boldness. If he's calling you to Africa, go to Africa. Go. They really need you. Go to China. Go. Bruce Olsen, 18-year-old Swedish guy, blonde hair, blue eyes, what's up on the television, the Mobite Indians in Colombia. He said, nobody's telling him about the gospel. Went to his mission board the denomination, they said, you're too young, you've not got enough experience, and you need to do training for three years before you even go. And he went, I'm going. He got a one-way ticket to Columbia. Columbia, blonde hair and blue eyes. <laughs> Columbia, stood on the edge. He said, I stood on the edge of the jungle with a rucksack and nothing else. And I walked in, and I found an Indian tribe. I said, can you take me to the mobile Indians? And he said, okay, we'll take you to the edge and no more. They took him to the edge. And the next minute, he said, I had seen everybody running. I felt a warmth in my leg, and I looked down, and a spear had went right through my legs, and they were dragging me. My heart was pounding. 18. He said, they threw me into a hut, and they were throwing spears. But because of the mud hut that was just hitting me, I was bruised. They left me there for a month. I crawled out, I escaped, I fell into a river. I went and found, somebody found me. I went to the hospital in Columbia. They said, you've got liver failure, your liver's so damaged, you can, must never go back in there again. Three months he was there, he got his rucksack, walked out and walked back in, and they caught him again. Bruce Olsen is 80, and Bruce Olsen still lives with him. His name is Papa Brusco. The whole Indian tribe got born again. They have the best ecosystem, they have the best uh, uh, medical systems, because an 18-year-old who wasn't able and never had the armor and never had the right support and never had the right church he had nothing but a word from God and he found his purpose you can write to him a few years ago he got caught I need to finish now he got caught he got caught with drug barons drug barons captured him and he said I saw people getting shot and I was lying there and it was my time to get executed but he'd built such a good relationship with with the guys who were nobody would shoot him they said no they were all born again and eventually they released him. And this is what they said. Nobody cares about you, not even the Indians. In the Colombian paper, the president and a lot of the Indian tribes, 
said to the drug barons, we declare war on you in Colombia if you don't let Papa Brusco go. This is a 19-year-old boy who stood on the edge with a pounding heart and a spear through his legs. See, friends, I think we've made the call of God into something very different today. It's not about a wage. It's not about supporting who'll support you and who'll do what. Nehemiah had a burden. Nehemiah had a burden. He was a cupboard bearer. Just, you know, that's what your purpose starts with, a burden. If you watch something on the telly and you cry at it, that's because God's put it there. You're meant to do something about it. I don't want to talk about me and Fiona, but, you know, we were living a comfortable life in Wales. Well, no comfortable, but it was, it was good. Our son was in school and God was going to uplift us and move us over. It meant taking Ethan out of school. And I was thinking, oh God, what about Ethan? You know, he's going to be disturbed from school. And then he has to, and, and God went, and? But I can't take care of him. It couldn't have worked out better. And if he told us to do it again, we'd be off. I can say that with my hand on my heart and I know my wife would date as well. We'd sell our house, we'd move into a smaller house, smaller car, smaller area. I can say that without any fear of God testing me. Hope he doesn't, but if he does, if he does, I'll tell you we'll do it because this is not our life. It's not about me. It's not about us. If you want to find his purpose, start by carrying sandwiches. Start believing when he says, go, that he'll equip you for everything you need to go. Most of us have been in ministry shaking <laughs> and, and not knowing quite what to do, but the wisdom and there's something comes on you that gets you through it day by day, moment by moment. None of us were able. None of us felt worthy. There was always somebody better. And God said, I'm sending you. You need knowledge. You need to know who you are in God. If you don't know who you are in God, you're going to struggle. You need to be secure in who you are. And lastly, you need, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Oh, here we go. I'm proud to say I'm Pentecostal in the right sense of that word, being filled with the Spirit. The power of God went through the book of Acts like a knife through butter gone through. I mean, witches got saved. Towns were cities upside down because people felt they had a cause to share the love of God. This was all for a cause. Do you know what the catechism says? The chief end of man is to enjoy God and glorify him forever. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's your cause. To bring glory to his name. To bring honor to his name. I'm just going to do one more thing. It's, I'll be finished for 10 to 12. How's that? I won't do an altar call because we're running low, but I, I would have loved to have, but time has run out. I'd love you to kneel at this altar and say, God, whatever the cause, not my purpose, not my postcode, not my pension, not my job. And by the way, those things are important. You need to be wise. I'm not saying throw it. Don't, don't, gee, I've handed it all in. Don't come and see me on Monday. I threw it all in, but no. You know, I'm not saying that. You know, you need to hear from God. You need to hear from God. I'm going to ask you on it. Just come up here for one minute. Is this mic on? Does it work? Hello? Hello. <laughs> this is my wife, Fiona. She's, um, she came from Ireland. But I just wanted her just for two minutes. You see, she was brought up in a Catholic family. 
very loving family, very close family, big family. I think there's 93 cousins on one side, typical Irish. <laughs> 53. <laughs> I'm an evangelist, you know. I think, <laughs> but I want her to talk to the point and of, of, you know, she started to get a burden. And can you just do that in about three minutes, just about, especially when you, God told you to save yeah. and feed the poor and then the boat? And how your family felt. So I got saved when I was in my probably late 20s and got saved in Ireland in Cork where predominantly it was Catholic, even Catholic charismatic, but it was still Catholic. But I met a born-again Christian and he preached the gospel continuously and I got saved. And so uh, very, very shortly after getting saved, I really felt the call of God in my life. I knew that this was going to be different. I knew that this is not just the norm, even in the church at that time, which was a very, very young church in the 90s in, in Ireland. And, um, you know, at that time it was very young, but I knew that God's hand was upon me. And so in that, I just took one step at a time and it was just steps of obedience and so I felt you know in my city there was people that were homeless and I just felt a, a burden to feed them and just make sandwiches and go out and feed them I didn't really know the power of God to deliver he delivered me and took me away out of the party lifestyle and everything but I didn't really know that power of God but I just walked in that obedience and so as I did that I, I, I God just began to speak to me and he said to me I want you to start saving it was a January that I was going to I need I was working so I needed to save that I was going somewhere in September and so I started saving everything I moved out of the place where I rented and moved in with a family and started saving and my family were really um, as Jay said were very close but they really did not understand they were fine with me going to Catholic charismatic but now I was born again with a cause and just doing radical things in the sense of just not doing what I used to do and living differently and so my family thought I was in a cult and they had a meeting together thinking what is going on with Fiona she's in a cult but I still had to follow because I knew that I knew God was had his hand upon me and things were going to be different and so I began to feed the poor and then um a time came where God did bring me uh, to Teen Challenge and there was a, a an advert for a school of evangelism and I answered that advert and I just knew my heart pounding. I just knew this was it. And so every step it was just one step in front of the other. And I left Cork and I just got a one-way ticket. The school was only for three months, but I got a one-way ticket. And I just, you know, got on that boat. And I remember looking um, at the shore and I was thinking, I'm either making the biggest mistake of my life, because that's what it's like. It's not like you know everything that's on ahead. But I'm either making the biggest mistake of my life or this is going to be the greatest greatest adventure of my life and you know you roll on 24 years in September uh, you know it's been the greatest greatest adventure in my life and I had great privilege of helping set up our women's center and just doing a, just work letting God just use me um, for his glory 
but is there a cause? And sometimes it's just one step in front of the other, a walk of obedience and how God, I, I look 24 years later and obviously I know where I am now and what I do now, but you just don't know all of that then, do you? And you have to go through the loneliness and the hard times and all of those things because you don't know what's ahead, but you have to just trust in the God and step out by faith. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Now, there's a little Irish girl with just um, one way, one one way ticket. Our family thought very close family thought it was a cult. Loneliness, single, <laughs> single. Um, I can tell you, she got twenty pound a week for being the assistant manager for years and lived in there and rubbed girls' legs with oil through the night at two. And you never got off the next day. We just worked, but it was a cause. We loved the addict, and the prostitute, and the broken. God put them on our heart, and we worked all of our lives doing that. We still do it. She's humble. She's, she's head over Europe now. No, no, not head, but, but I mean overseeing it for, for people in Europe. To, uh, women. If somebody wants to start something up, they've asked her to help them and do that. And I was a drug addict and became the director. And all we can say is, I, I can't tell you about what my purpose. That's what I'm, I, I don't know, probably not articulated it. It's a, it was funny for me to preach it. But I found my purpose by finding him. I found my purpose and it took courage and it took guts and it meant moving my family and it meant bringing my son into stuff and it meant and it meant and it meant. But it was a joy. It was a joy. When I say I don't know my purpose, I mean I do know my purpose, obviously. <laughs> to preach the gospel, to preach good news. You know, put an evangelist heart on me. I've traveled the world preaching. But it started off. Well, you, you, you literally did start off with sandwiches. You know, I just started off working in Teen Challenge in the day, and you know, our hearts. We don't. We don't. By the way, we don't say our titles now. We still have this heart of a servant, just to serve. And Jesus Christ came, and I finished with these words. Jesus Christ said, "For this cause I came into the world to destroy the work of the evil one." Every man and woman has a cause in here. But you're going to need courage, you're going to need purpose, but you're going to need a servant heart. Like Abraham, he said, go. For Noah, he said, build. For Nehemiah, he said, do the wall. For Moses, he said, lead out. They all had a purpose, but they, they had an encounter with him. They had courage, they had faith. They weren't perfect, but they said, yes, Lord. And I pray you'll do the same. And if you're older now, one purpose finishes, and you've not got the same strength, He'll give you a purpose to do something else like we do in the Hope Centre. Most of the people are retired in the Hope Centre serving food. They're, they're saying, here, have a cup of tea for this cause. This is my cause now because it's his cause in Jesus' name. I've run over a little bit, but let's stand and pray. Has God encouraged you this morning to, fight, to go forward? Anybody been strengthened by the story of David? Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Young people, there is a cause. Raise your voice, church. Let's not put on the armor and do all the shouting. Let's get the work done. Let's do everything that God has called us to do. Let's do everything. Let's find that cause and run with it with all your might. You've got one life. You're going to be too old soon. You've got one life. Paul said that I might finish my course. This one thing I do, run with all your might against every voice 
and let's run for his glory and for his honor. Lord, thank you for Derby Church. Thank you that we're not just a church who's praying and Lord, touch the world, we are. Thank you that we're not just saying, feed the poor, we are. Thank you, Lord, that we're not just preaching it, we're actually living it. We're involved in a great work and we're not coming down. For every man and woman, Lord, who has a burden for a country in Africa, I pray over the next few days they would pray. You would lead them, you would guide them, Lord. All they need to do is hear your voice. You were with David, you were with the disciples, and you're with us, Lord, for this cause. There is a cause, Lord, to testify and, and to preach and to tell of the good news and to build your church and to go into this world, Lord, with great hope. David, Lord, let not a Goliath intimidate us. Let's not shrink back, but let us run with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of Lord, and take these giants down in our land that our children's children will be able to stand in street corners and preach the gospel. Bring back to our schools again, prayer meetings. Bring back into our colleges again the Spirit of God. Oh, God, we pray. Bless, Lord, this country. Let the churches arise and let our voice be heard. Who is this who defiles the armies of the living God? Put your spirit on us, Lord, and give us courage and faith and strength to do thy will. Thy will be done. Your kingdom come. Yes, Lord, we do have a purpose, but our purpose is connecting to your heart. And by the way, there's people here who are bringing up children, mothers who are just bringing up children. That's an amazing purpose. I want to say that right now. We're not looking for the big Goliophites bringing up your children and navigating them through this world. Fathers working and bringing in an income for your family and paying mortgages and just being a pastor of your own home. I want to say all of that is a cause. Dorcas, Dorcas was just sewing quilts and, and doing stuff. And, and that was a purpose. That was a cause. So from the little to the large, to the seen to the unseen, keep doing what you're doing because you are making a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.